uh, annual assembly. We were up there, and I wasn't 100% sure we were going to get back without some trouble. Our flight was delayed about an hour and a half, leaving Minneapolis to come back to Charlotte uh, the other day. Um, there was some bad weather up in Minnesota and bad weather in different places. But eventually, an hour and a half later, they got us boarded on the plane. About 150 of us crammed into this plane. We all got ready to go, and then we just sat there for another half an hour. And uh, I found out later on it wasn't because of the weather. This time we were sitting there because the plane was waiting for a catering truck to deliver steaks for the 12 people sitting in first class. (laughs) Absolutely true story. I'd rather not have known that, to be honest with you. I'd have felt a lot better if we were spending there 30 minutes because I had to replace an engine or something. But I was really not happy about, about that. I got a bag with six almonds in it, you know, and we're sitting there for half an hour waiting for the steaks to get delivered. I don't know if you've flown lately, but they divide the sections of the planes up into different you know, areas. The, the really nice area up front is for first class. The float, uh, flights we flew on, the next area was something they called Comfort Plus. It was a little wide, you know, a little, a little more legroom. Pastor Matt and I sat in the section called Good Luck. Uh, <laughs> I, I was a little afraid, you know, we're going to have to stand holding onto a handrail like on the, on the subway. But we got back and we're glad to be here. So at any rate, this morning I'm going to talk to you about the first two of the Ten Commandments, a message I'm calling God First and Foremost. Say God First and Foremost. Praise the Lord. Just to get us focused and moving, would you stand with me please and honor the Word of God? And just to get us focused, we're going to read together Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 through 6. Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 through 6. I'll read the plain text if you'll join me in reading the highlighted portions. That way we'll walk through the passage together. Exodus chapter 20 Beginning verse 1, this is what the Bible says. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything, in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Now, the passage we're looking at this morning opens with something like a brief preface from Moses, where Moses writes, and God spoke all these words. And I want you to know, I want you to think about the fact, sometimes it's good just to stop and remember the obvious. Like the fact there really is a God. God is real, God is here, he's watching, he's listening, he's present, and that's a big deal. But the truth is, it's easy sometimes to forget Even this most basic truth, there is a God. We can get so caught up in the uh, daily routines of life in this world. Sometimes all caught up in the daily routines of the things of God, and it's easy to forget the reality of God. Take prayer, for example. I believe it's possible, maybe even common on occasion, for Christians to pray so routinely before meals and at bedtimes that if you're not careful, you can almost forget somebody's really there listening. Christians open meetings with prayer. They close meetings with prayer. And if you're not careful, you can treat it it's kind of like banging a gavel. It's just another custom. 
just another routine, just another way of doing stuff. It's easy, I fear, sometimes to go through the motions of prayer and forget that God's really there listening. Same thing happens sometimes with worship services, just like this one. It can become such a part of your regular routine, such a part of your regular calendar. You come every week, and it's so ordinary that you can, if you're not careful, come to a worship service and, uh, and forget God's here. Forget that God is here to meet with you, to speak to you and mold you and shape you and form you and change your life. It's easy, I think, sometimes to come to church and forget that God's really here. No doubt it's possible to make the same mistake when you look at the Ten Commandments. Whether you can name all ten of them in order or not, everybody's heard of the Ten Commandments, which means it would be easy for some of you, I suspect, to approach this whole summer study with maybe a little bit of a lethargic, lousy attitude. I learned the Ten Commandments when I was eight years old. Somebody quick pull the fire alarm. Couldn't they find something better to talk about? But Moses introduces the Ten Commandments with six words meant to get your attention. Six words meant to stop you in your tracks. Six words that ought to change everything. And God spoke all these words. So listen, whatever you're thinking about right now, whatever is battling for your attention right now, whatever you're doing on your smartphone right now, I want to remind you there is a God and He is real and He is here and I believe He's speaking. And when God speaks, He wants us to listen. This is the written Word of God. It deserves our attention. So following Moses' brief preface that sobering preface, and God spoke all these words. The next thing that happens is God starts to speak, and, and, and he says something which at first glance could look like a preface of his own. God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He begins saying, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord God Jehovah. I am above and over all. All power is mine. All authority is mine. All rule and all reign and all rights are mine. Listen, guys, I'm about to give you Ten Commandments and make no mistake about it. I have the absolute right and authority and standing to do so. God begins speaking by establishing his authority. I am the Lord your God. And then he goes on to say, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and suddenly it becomes way more personal God's not just saying I'm God up there out there over there somewhere he's saying I'm your God I'm your Lord I'm your Savior I have made myself known to you and I have delivered you out of bondage you should know me and if you're looking for the big theological reveal in the message this morning if that's a big deal to you here it is so don't miss it these commandments that are coming were never ever designed to save you. Rather, they're commandments to the saved. I want to be very, very clear. Keeping these commandments, 
No matter how meticulously, no matter how uh, scrupulously, no matter how spotlessly, keeping these commandments cannot save you. Rather, God gives these commandments to a people he has already saved. A people he's already delivered. A people he's already called by his name. A people he's already brought out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Only God has ever saved, and only God can ever save. Now, these commandments are a big deal, and keeping them is a big deal. But make no mistake about it, that's not how you get saved. That's not how you come into relationship with God. That's not how you get to heaven. I talk to people all the time who think they're earning something with God, who think by, by, by trying to be good, they're earning a standing with God. By not murdering and committing adultery and stealing, they're, they're, they're somehow getting a place with God. They, they imagine their philanthropy earns them something with God. Or maybe their politics, they take political positions that make them feel like good people, and they think that earns them a place with God. But keeping the commandments cannot save you. Only God can save. And listen to me. He only ever always does that by grace through faith. God comes and he says, hey, I'm God. Will you follow me? Yes or no? And if the answer is yes, then he comes alongside you to show you how. He comes alongside you to help you understand what it means to be a follower of God. The next thing in the text is a listing of the commandments themselves. And the first two, which we're concerned with this morning, <coughs> go like this. <clears throat> you shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. <clears throat> in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. The commandments are, you shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not worship anything besides me. Your life and your thought and your affections, your dreams and your aspirations, your goals and your activities are all to be built on God first and foremost. God before and above and over all. Before and above and over yourself, before and above and over money, before and above and over your family or your fun or your career or your friends or your politics or anything else. It's God, first and foremost. Now, I've used this illustration before, but it fits so perfectly here, I'm going to use it again. Because the truth is, I find oftentimes, when people think about life and their priorities of life, they think about them absolutely, desperately, unbiblically. They think about life and priorities and how to order priorities in life, and they do it in a profoundly unbiblical way. Now, as rational people, we want to honor God, we mean to honor God, we plan to obey these commandments. But oftentimes when we strike out to do it, we try and figure out, how do I do this, how do I put it together? And, and, and so we try and do it in what I call list form. 
And so we make a list of the priorities in life, and we put God number one because, hey, we're not Philistines, right? Well, God says he wants to be number one, so we make a list and we make God number one because that's how we do. And then the next thing on our list is, is of course, family because that's just how good we are. You know, God and family, I mean, that's how we work. That's how we roll. We're, we're the good people. Then comes job, work, career, education, the things we do to provide for ourselves, the things we do to provide for our family. And then come you know, a whole bunch of other things, church and friends and money and exercise and, and blah, blah, blah. And you make a list of the priorities in your life, the things that matter, the things you care about, the things you know, that are a big deal to you. And, uh, and it looks like that. And we put God at the top of the list. And I want to point to the list, and I want you to say this way of thinking, this model of life and priorities is patently, desperately, utterly wrong. The first problem with thinking like this and using this model for life and, and priorities is philosophical. By its very nature, this way of thinking dishonors God by reducing him to an item on a list. Now, he's at the top of the list, sure. But he's still just an item on a list. And listen to me when I tell you, God has absolutely no intention whatsoever of being one of many priorities in your life. You might want to write that down. God has no intention whatsoever of being just one of many priorities in your life. The second problem with this way of thinking, this, this model of life and priorities, is that the truth is, it's almost always a lie. Because when God is simply reduced to an item on a list, even when you put him at the top of the list, you can say whatever you want, you can think whatever you want, you can believe whatever you want. But when you reduce God to an item on your list, he's almost never really number one. I remember my first call in ministry. I was called as a youth pastor many, many years ago. Early on, I got all the youth in our church together. I gave them all a, a three-by-five index card. I said, make a list. Write down for me in order the most important things in your life. And then there was a kid in the group. His name was Shane. I still remember. He was in the ninth grade at the time. He put, only put two things on his list, God and skateboarding. And I'm going to tell you, after spending a couple of months with Shane, I promise you he lied about one of those. The error of this way of thinking, this model of life and priorities, really shows up when you try to convert it into a pie chart. Now, again, we say God's number one, so we want to give him the big piece, right? And so we, we move these things over, we put them in a pie chart, we give God the big piece, we give family a big piece, we give work a big piece, and all the things, and there it is, and, and this is how we live. Except it's not how we live. I mean, just think about the amount of time you give to each of these activities. And you're going to have to change your chart a little bit. Because the truth is, you really probably spend 8 to 10 hours a day at work. Getting ready for work, going to work, doing your work, coming home, finishing up your work. You spend 7 or 8 hours a day asleep. And bam, just like that, two-thirds of your life is gone. And you start adding all the other stuff. Eating. Hanging out with your family. Watching television. Working out. And, and, and you put all those things in there. And in the best case scenario, God's just a piece of your pie. And the truth is, he's a really very small piece of that. 
So the heart of the first two commandments is God first and foremost. God before and above and over all. And if, God, if you're going to live like that, if you're going to honor these commandments, you're going to obey these commandments, you're going to live with God above all, you're going to have to change your thinking. You're going to have to change your, your model. You're going to have to change your pie chart until it looks something more like this. Where God is the whole pie. Everything. God is everything on the chart. He's the first and the last and the middle and, and all, is all. Everything in your life is built around God, built on God. Live for the glory and the pleasure of God. Beginning with God and the word of God and the will of God. And when you actually live this way, when God becomes the whole pie, then you can love and care for and interact with your family under God and his direction and for his glory and his pleasure. You can get up every morning and go to work and work hard. You can pursue your career led by God and the word of God and the plan of God. And you can work hard for the glory of God and the advancement of the kingdom of God in your job every day. Then you put in the other stuff and you start with God and you end with God and you think about the word of God and how God says it ought to be done. How God says you ought to handle these things. And you live according to the will of God for the glory of God. And this now makes sense. To have no other gods before him. To really, truly put God first. Means to put him first in everything. Not to put him first at the top of a list. But first in terms of every item on the list. Where God's not just an area of your life. But he's over every area of your life. Every pursuit, every endeavor, every activity, always intentionally done for the glory and pleasure and purpose of God. The Apostle Paul put it this way in the New Testament. He said, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, say whatever you do. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. At this point in my life, and actually for a little while now, this is my goal. This is my prayer. This is my heart's desire. I think about this all the time. I pray about this all the time. This is who I want to be. This is how I want to live. And if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, I'll tell you, I stink at it. Day after day. Whenever I stop and kind of take an assessment of how I'm doing, I find I'm doing a lousy job of putting God first in everything I do, in every area of my life. But let me let you in on a secret. Listen now, because this is fascinating to me. I never really knew how bad I was at living this way until I got really serious about living this way. When I was kind of casual about it, when I was content to have God on my list, I felt pretty good. When I was content to relegate God to a piece of the pie, I felt pretty good. Because then I could compare my piece with your piece, and my piece was usually bigger. And I thought, I'm doing pretty good. And then I realized what C.S. Lewis observed. 
No man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. It's when you're not really trying very hard that you tend to feel best about how you're doing. When God's just a piece on your pie, man, he's got peace. You can feel good about that. Except that's not what he wants. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. The first two commandments are about God first and foremost. God before and above and over all. This is the essence of the first two commandments. God before and over all. God above work. God before family. God above retirement planning. Speaking of God before family, Jesus is God. And speaking of the whole God before family thing, Jesus at one point put it this way. He said, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross, lay down his life, surrender everything he is and has and follow me is not worthy of me. So many people in churches today seem content to be pretty good people. But God never called you to be a pretty good person. And Jesus most assuredly did not die so you could be a pretty good person. So you could tack him on to your otherwise very busy life. So you could give him peace, a place, a spot in a life you basically live for yourself. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. God has absolutely no intention of being one of many priorities in your life. This morning I want to urge you Take stock of who you are and how you're living. How you think about life and how you function in life. And ask the honest question, is this what it looks like? You got the God peace, man. You got the God peace. You tell everybody he's top of the list, but he's still just one thing on a list. Is this how you're living? Because if it is, you are violating the first two commandments. This is not how God has called us to live. Maybe you feel like you're doing great. But is it possible that's because you're not trying hard enough to know any better? If this is you this morning, you go to work and honestly you don't think much about God because you're too busy thinking about work. You hang out with your family, you don't think too much about God because you're so busy thinking about your family. You you go over your finances, you don't think too much about God because you're too busy dealing with your finances. If God's a piece, if this describes you this morning, then I beg you 
in the name of Jesus. Do not leave this room without repenting and changing your pie chart. As I close, you remember, the, again, those first words that God spoke when he began speaking in the passage? I said, at, at a quick glance, it may look like a, a, a preface that God's making before he lists the Ten Commandments. It's not a preface. God says this. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And I want you to understand, this is not a preface to the commandments. This is part of one ongoing continuous thought. I believe in the heart and mind of God, he was saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. One continuous thought. And here's the point. These commandments are only given. These instructions for life only come, and frankly, they only make sense, listen to me, after you've come out of Egypt. After you've been set free from slavery and bondage to sin and selfishness. These commandments only really come to you, and they only really make sense in your life after you have genuinely left behind the life you knew before Jesus. So many people want the benefits of the kingdom of God without ever relinquishing the kingdoms of this world. They want the blessedness that comes from living for God while continuing to live for themselves. They don't really want to change that much. They want to offer God a sliver of their lives. They want to have their God and be Him too. But that's not how this works. The life God offers you is life with God before and above and over all. It's not a little bit of God on Sunday and a whole lot of profanity the rest of the week. It's your whole life built on and in and for the Lord. Your work life rooted in God, your family life built around God for His glory and pleasure in line with His word and His will. The command of God is clear. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down or worship them. Either get in or admit you're still out. But don't play church games. The commandments only make sense after you've been born again. After you've been delivered. After you've left that life and come into a new life with God as Lord and Savior and Father and King. God's ready and willing to take you out of Egypt, to bring you out of sin and bondage, to rescue you from the dominion of darkness. The question is, are you ready and willing to leave? The commandments only make sense after you've left the life you knew before you came to Jesus. They only make sense to people who've already been saved. Who are committed, have left the life they once knew, and are committed to living a new life in God. If you've not done that yet, honestly, honestly, you might have been in church for 60 years. You might 
be elder, deacon, and, and, and everything in between. But the truth is, you try to take God and tack him on. You need to change that. Because that's not what the commandments mean. And that's not what God asks for. That's not the life he's called us to. If you've just made a list and you put God on it, you say you put him at the top of it. But that's all you've done? I urge you in Jesus' name to change. It's time to come out and go in. We come out of what we knew, out of a life for self, out of a life that's divided, into a life for God. And then he walks with us and shows us how to do it. Picks us up when we fall down. Gently whispers, that was terrible. But I still love you. Let's keep going. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus in that way, you've never taken all of it and said you can have a, surrendered your life and the direction of your life, the purpose and the, and the aim of the rest, if you've never done that, do not leave the room. Until you settle down this morning. And if you have, but you really kind of misunderstood and thought the list was okay, it's not. God wants the whole pie. Will you give it to Him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you as always for the power and clarity of your word. And Lord, we want, we really do, we want, we want so badly to be the people you've called us and created us to be. For anybody here who's not honestly really even begun that journey, I pray you draw them in this morning. And for those who have, strengthen us and move us forward. Help us surrender the whole pie give you everything and learn to reorder our lives moment by moment, day by day, piece by piece by piece by piece for your pleasure and your glory and your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.